Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture, and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart, and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance, or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since it first started tumbling into Ireland through the old pirate coves of West Cork and in the stomachs of drug mules coming from Miami, cocaine has become the drug of our nation. It has swept in like a blizzard, dusting every corner of every small town. And so swift and total has its spread been that the Irish are now some of the biggest users in the world. But to unravel how a small island like ours on the edge of Europe ended up such a big player in the major cocaine leagues, we must follow the white supply lines back to the beginning. We must follow the routes it has taken as it travels across the globe. And most importantly, we need to follow the cowboys who put us on the map. So join me, Nicola Talent, for my new live show, Cocaine Cowboys, the story of Ireland's love affair with Colombia's biggest export. Limited tickets now available for February 10th at the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick, February 15th in Cork's Everyman and at Dublin's Three Olympia on Sunday, February 18th. Tickets available at venues are on mcd.ie. Riverview Aesthetics that had very few customers had 220,000 go through it. Her declared income from one of the years in that business was 2,000 euro. He had no legitimate income and yet he was able to completely lose 30,000 with Boyle Sports and he lodged another 68,000 with Paddy Parr. There was an 18,000 euro seizure of cocaine purportedly belonging to Kuhn and he told the guards that's only a week's wages. I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. High-flying, big-spending John Coon and his wife Pamela lorded it up in their small community, splashing their cash on holidays, fast cars and flash jewellery. But the couple who were also claiming social welfare have now fallen foul of the Criminal Assets Bureau and he has been named as the leader of a West Cork drug gang. The pair from Bandon in County Cork tried to hide their dirty money through a Botox clinic, tanning salons and pubs. Today, I'm talking with Eamon Dillon about the regional kingpin and the ongoing efforts to dismantle his drugs operation. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. 
Eamon, John Kuhn um, is a classic sort of regional drugs kingpin that was targeted by the Criminal Assets Bureau after he was profiled locally, from what we know. And um, his case has eventually come to court. There's a couple of aspects to it, and I suppose maybe we'll start with who he is. Well, he certainly wasn't a household name. You know, when you often hear about cab cases, it's someone relatively famous and it doesn't take a lot of Googling on our parts to find out who they are. Um, so, I mean, when, when uh, John Kuhn and his wife, uh, Pamela, uh, Pamela Kuhn, but also known as Pamela Murphy, um, when, they, when they appeared, I, th- I think you did a couple of stories back in 2020 when they first appeared on the cab list and we were kind of getting hints and bits and pieces of, you know, he was involved in drug dealing and all the rest and she had a beauty company set up. Um, but uh, this week then what happened was it went to full hearing. So they didn't actually contest it. So there was no sign of Mr. and Mrs. Coon. No, they didn't. They didn't yeah. turn up. So it was basically a matter of running through the belief affidavit and the grounding affidavit of one of the the, the guards who had put together, you know, his all his criminal background. Mm. And, we, and, and from that, we, we heard a picture of a guy who um, had a couple of convictions for, for drugs, um, but there were, there were nothing terribly major. Uh, like he, he did actually, he, he was convicted of one for sale and supply, which he was quite aggrieved about on the basis that it, was, it wasn't a whole lot of, of drugs. Um, um, but that was thrown out on appeal. Uh, and so, so really, I suppose it would have been, the local guards would have known about him, mm. um, I suppose, and the local users. This is in Formoy, of course. And, and well, he, he's, well, Bandon. we know now he's in Bandon, yeah, yeah. Uh, West Cork. So it's, it's, it's out of the city. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's, that, it's, that, it's West Cork. There's plenty of uh, poets and crazy painters and mm. all the artistic set do enjoy that part of the country. Um, of course, there's lots of regular people there. And obviously there's people who are, you know, looking to use drugs in, in, in that region. Now he, he's kind of he, he was described as being pretty much a major player um, in 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 the region, but there was a couple of hints that came up. Actually, it was interesting enough to show that he you know he probably has you know connections further afield. It did mention that he was involved in the importation of drugs and not just sale and supply. And curiously enough, um, you know the various assets they went went after was a bunch of vehicles, but one of them was actually bought from Bone Motors, which, right. as you know, we've discussed here before, was recently itself the target of a of a cab um, action and was basically described as, I think it was, it was basically described as a, a you know, a, a vehicle set up to launder the drugs cash of um, the Limerick gangs. So there, there was a, a Land Rover bought for a 7,000 euro deposit, you know, with no explanation where that came from. And mm. it was, it was bought on finance and apparently there wasn't a whole lot of uh, payments made back to the finance company. So, I mean, it just shows you that there's connections everywhere, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I suppose, like in in terms of his um, his previous, he he wouldn't have he certainly wouldn't have featured on the pages of the Sunday World at any stage until he finally kind of made it onto the cab list. And as you say, it was the local guards picked it up, and it was their their lifestyle, and it very much it was yeah. it was the foreign holidays that they were yeah. doing. So in February 2020, 120 guardies searched 21 premises linked to Coon. Um, including the wife's cosmetic surgery practice in Bandon. That was actually a beautician's, not a rather cosmetic surgery. And um, that was major, you see. That was absolutely, that was a huge guard of presence in an area like that. I think there was some links to Fermoy and another part of Cork, maybe called Ballyvohan, um, where they had... Ballyvolane, yeah. Ballyvolane, sorry, yeah, where they were... Um, they possibly, there was business premises in that search. But that was so major. I think that was one of the biggest kind of guard raids um, 
certainly in that Cork area in years and years and years. And it was after that that um, we took ourselves down there to try and sort of see what we could see. Now, I was expecting at that time to see the, you know, the big flashy house, the cars, you know, to be able to see the what you see, which is, you know, probably the uh, high spec windows on the house, the cameras dotted all over it um, and, you know, maybe other trappings of wealth. But instead, like, is John Kuhn clever or does he spend his money just and lash it all? It's hard to tell because instead of that, we discovered they were living in a rental property outside uh, Bandon, like on a, on a quiet country road. It certainly was no way flash. There was cars that were kind of okay. The business premises, the wife's business premises was small. We watched it for a considerable period of time. Not a single customer went into it, but it was one of those little tiny things that you could go in apparently and get Botox and filler and your nails done. Actually, the, the appointment book for the, the company that you were looking at came up. It was mentioned in court this week and they mentioned it was pretty much empty. Yeah, so, uh, you know, <laughs> that's what it looked like. Now, it was definitely, you could see in and it was very high spec done up like. But, um, and she was in there actually. And then he arrived and we did approach them and ask them about the raids at the time. And I think we've got short shift. But you look on their social media they're flashy with those holidays, definitely. Six weeks, I think you said, or five weeks in Santorini. Yeah, they six went weeks on. in Santorini during, pretty much during lockdown. I think uh, Judge Alex Owens was a little bit interested and he seemed to seem know exactly what dates the uh, the lockdowns came in because he, he mentioned being stuck somewhere himself. And he says, um, it looks like they got away just the day before the lockdown happened. Oh, so really? He wasn't suggesting that they were in breach of the lockdown restrictions. It's top of his game, that note. man, isn't he? he? Certainly, he knows his dates and facts and figures, all right. And you <laughs> see, when they were in Santorini, they were, um, you know, they had been raided. They were obviously subject to an investigation. And, you know, the investigation when it launched in 2020 was not just a Criminal Assets Bureau investigation. It was, you know, it was a, cr a criminal investigation as well into John Kuhn's activities. Um, the cab part of it was one thing. But um, there was this sense that they were splashing a load of money on fancy holidays and they had six children, of course, sort of cars. There was a bit of jewellery, bit of bling, but no fixed assets. And I think that's what was kind of came to the fore when the Criminal Assets Bureau actually got into court and they didn't contest it. It was literally some cars and a, and a few handbags. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, that's it. It was mm. basically a Land Rover, uh, a Volks, Volkswagen Passat that was bought for 10 grand, a Kia Sportage for 23. Um, I, I can't remember the fourth car now. It, it was nothing, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't, you know, a, a top end a sort of vehicle and a couple of couple of designer handbags and, and, and that was it. And that was after their finances were gone through with a fine tooth comb. Now there was evidence there was a lot of money travelling through their accounts. Yeah. The um, and maybe what's telling is the evidence that was given about John Kuhn's particular habit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, look, they followed the money trail and that's probably why there were so many raids that there was different credit unions mentioned, there was different banks, bank accounts mentioned. You had... Like his brother, whose the car was in his name, one of the cars was in his name. He had no involvement in in crime. The brother who's mentioned in the proceedings, and the same with his mother, um, she had control of bank accounts into which something like sixty six thousand went in, in her case. Um, 
Uh, and 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 the empty business um, Riverview Aesthetics that has very few customers that you watched and mm-hmm. as the the dust gathered on on the welcome yeah. mat had two hundred and twenty thousand go through it in in the bank accounts that uh, Pamela controlled and she her declared income from one of the years in that business was two thousand euro so that was her complete you know okay. um, and so basically her only earnings were were um, social welfare and John Kuhn had none, you know, going back to as far as I think 2007 or something like that. He had no legitimate income. And yet he was able to completely lose 30,000 with Boyle Sports and he lodged another 68,000 with Paddy Power. Now we didn't get to hear whether or not he lost all that, but I think the point was made by Council for Cab that... Uh, they couldn't use uh, gambling as a source of his his uh, uh, of his income because he was so bad at it. He was just basically losing money. So it was one way traffic. So gamblers can lose a f- ferocious amount of money, you know, oh. uh, especially if they're if they're prolific. You know, most gamblers are pretty bad at it. Actually, there's very few professionals that actually make a living out of it. And I'm sure, he, and I'm sure he could have gambled uh, away money that wasn't, you know, in in a in a place or somewhere that the cab were going to be able to track it or, or find it easily. Mm. So it's quite more. I mean, there was a little hint uh, as to how much he was earning uh, when there was there was mention. Again, this is kind of part of the belief evidence to, to support the fact that he was a criminal. Where uh, there was an eighteen thousand euro seizure of cocaine, uh, purportedly belonging to Kuhn, and he told the guards that's only a week's wages. Mm. Um, and then on top of that, then uh, another detective or another officer rather uh, was uh, reported that Kuhn had told him he'd triple his wages for any tip-off coming up in the future. So right. he obviously was confident that he'd be able to lay his hands on that kind of cash pretty quickly if, if you know, if his outrageous attempt to bribe a member of the Garda Shia Khan had come to fruition. I'm sure he would have been able to dip into his, his cash pot, you know. Confident um, or stupid? <laughs> I suppose it's putting up a front, isn't it? It's playing the game, you know, and, and, and we've seen that so many times, some of these guys, you know, I mean, you know, it's complete. It's the complete opposite when they end up in front of the special criminal court, or, or in you know, they're pleading guilty, and and then all of a sudden the mitigation rolls out, and it's the terrible childhood, mm. and they were you know beaten as a child, and they have asthma, and they've been on medication for this and that, and you know, and and they've had a terrible life, and they're so sorry, and they're never going to do it again. So then you, you get this side of it, then when they're they're on the side where they're probably not. They know they're not in any danger. I mean, even even his one sentence that we saw there for for 2012, he, he got a year for that. So I mean, he hasn't done any serious time. And like you know, they, they've linked him to say another seizure of 141,000 of heroin. Uh, you know, you know that was in a car linked to him. I think it was a surveillance operation, but it wasn't there when they lifted him. Mm-hmm. So you know, he's he's been. You can argue he's smart or lucky, but I mean, he's going to have to stay lucky all the time. But uh, you, you know, he, he is. But they were certainly outrageous, really, you know. I mean, in the aftermath of the massive big cab raids, which were all over the news, in the aftermath of their outing on the front page of the Sunday World and, you know, photographs of that uh, Botox uh, business and everything, they just carried on. And in actual fact, a year after the raids in 2021, on the official, and it was called River... I'll just get this right. Riverview Aesthetics Limited was the company, yeah? Was that the one yeah, named? Yeah, that's that? the one named. Yeah. Um, it was announced publicly on the company website, on the beautician's website, that they were expanding. They were going to open another business. Um, at this point, they'd been raided. They were under investigation. They had been publicly named and shamed. 
and they were carrying on regardless. And that was the sense I have to say I got when I went down to Bandon at the time. There was a sense that this had been going on. You know, they'd been living it up. They Everybody knew what they were doing. Um, they were sort of rubbing everybody's noses in it with the spend in particular that they were they were going on with all these holidays and the social media that went with it um, and that nothing was being done about them. And there was this sort of sense of uh, despair nearly within the community that everybody else was working hard, struggling to pay their bills, their mortgages. And here were this pair, she on the dole and I think at the time, from memory, there uh, was some state help with their accommodation. And yet they were drug dealing openly. They were, you know, this was the kind of the narrative. And in a way, that's what CAB is about as well. It's not just about seizing big value assets and putting that money into the exchequer. It's very much about sort of stopping that kind of thing within communities. Uh, Yeah, and it is, yeah, it is about sending that message. And it's about, you know, we'll take whatever assets we can. And and it does disrupt them. Mm. Like, you know, it, it pushes them deeper to hide their money. Like, so they have to look for different methods to launder their money. Like in Kuhn's case, I mean, they were suggesting that his wife's business was was being used to launder the cash. That, you know, that the 220,000 that went through her accounts, at least half of that went into you know, the, the the tanning beds and the equipment and, and it was an empty unit. So it was fitted out apparently to uh, an impressive level, I think was the terminology used in court this week. So I'm sure those tanning beds are really expensive. I've, I have no idea. They must be. They're, you know, they'd be specialist and yeah, I'd say all that equipment is super dear. Yeah, but and again, like there was, and the point was that there was no explanation for the money where this came from. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it was, uh, I mean, as Judge Owens put it, like he had little option but to decide that these, this was the proceeds of crime, that mm. there was there was no other explanation. I mean, there was even the 3,900 euro in cash like that they found in his mother's house. I mean, that again was, there was no, like this is a lady on a pension, that's a, her only income and yet has has this amount of cash. So they, basically it all stemmed from Kuhn's drug dealing, um, mm-hmm. from his activities and, and, and what he was making. It is unusual, however, for, you know, a criminal assets bureau, a sort of, a, a certainly a localised regional, shall we call him kingpin, who has been profiled because the profilers usually identify the takeable assets, shall we say, of somebody before the criminal assets bureau come in to investigate because they're not going to sort of throw all the resources and their money when there isn't anything for the state to benefit from. Um, So in the case of the Coons, they, you know, this was a multi-pronged offensive against them and and the wider gang and the wider operation, really. Um, This wasn't just criminal assets. This was also about, you know, drugs and organised crime. And obviously that is ongoing as an investigation. Um, and his links with, any links with Bond Motors in Limerick, which was a, a large money laundering outfit for many criminal gangs. But those local profilers, and they're trained up all over the country, gar, you know, ordinary members of the local Gardaí, they're facilitated with training in how to actually identify what can be taken. I suppose it's like if you were going to sue somebody, you'd need to make sure they had enough money that they weren't completely broke. So you'd be wasting throwing your money at, at nothing, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's what those, those you know, local profilers do. Um, you can see in the cases, though, how many of these sort of more rural and regional cases are coming in before the courts all the time. And, and you'll see, again, even in Kuhn's case, what, what a lot of these guys are now doing is that they're, they're 
if they're going to buy property or something that they can't hide or, or just, you know, just rent, they, they buy it abroad. And there was evidence in one of the raids that they carried out of um, of a property in Bulgaria, but they've no details of where this property is or certainly, you know, it wasn't part of of the case against mm-hmm. them. Um, and, and we can see that in, you know, even Jerry the Monk, Hutch, like, you know, with all a lot of his extensive properties abroad, I I think there's, there was suggestions of change to the proceeds of crime legislation this week. I was only reading might about make it, it easier, week, yeah. But, I was um, going to ask you about that and then I thought, am I going to hit you with that now and you haven't? But well, yes, there's... Like, but I don't see that it's going to work because... You're not. No, because I mean, it, it, you need the other jurisdictions to, to uh, cooperate. So well, I mean... Maybe some of them will. I, I mean, they have done in the past and what we have seen in some cases is where a property has been identified and in, and only if the, if the person who's the target of CAB agrees to settle and says, look, we'll sell it off and we'll give you the money. And in, in which case, you know, leave the family home in Dublin alone or whatever. Mm. And and there, there, I think there's been one or two instances of, instances of that. But CAP have to find the evidence. So, I mean, if somebody really wants to be clever and, you know, they're able to get their, their suitcase of drug money to, I don't know, Dubai or wherever, yeah. like, you know, and, and they're able to buy, you know, a half million euro of apartment in somewhere nice, that's their investment. So that's what they're going to do. And, and it, you know, in the best will in the world, Cabran are, are never going to be able to take that apartment off them. You know, and it's, you know, and the argument that again, there is political change will have to happen in the places There's like Dubai. There's been some incidents though that the UK have identified properties abroad in Spain and stuff and those properties have been taken. Now, do that, does the money go into the Spanish exchequer then or... It, it depends. Like, I mean, they might do it like as, as I kind of, as I, I saw, as I kind of see it in some of the cases that have happened, it, it, you know, it's up to somebody's lawyer to, to execute the sale in, in the foreign country mm. and then hand over the money. And it's obviously part of a deal done. Whereas, but they'd be under no obligation to it, uh, you know, in that sense. And, and sometimes these guys will, will do a deal. Thank God they've only identified one of my properties. Let's play dumb here. Yeah. Say nothing about the other seven I've bought. So, I mean, you know, which is quite possible. I mean, you know, it's, when you get to that level, it gets easier to launder your money. Like, you know, once you, once you break into the, you know, the hundreds of thousands and possibly the millions, because you can, you can, you can change hands, you can, you can set up offshore companies, you know, you keep your money out of Ireland, you keep it out of reach of the Criminal Assets Bureau and obviously keep it away from mm. the likes of the Americans as well, who seem to, if they take an interest in you, will we'll go after you. But in, in one sense, it's not rocket science. Um, and once you get the right accountants, once you get the right tax advisors in these mm. countries, and once you have your connections and you're able to trust your intermediaries who are going to buy stuff in your name, then you're 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 you're, you're almost you're, you're almost untouchable. I'd say the chances of yeah them going after. But I, funny enough, back to the UK situation. I know in the case of just the most recent sort of proceeds of crime that I've been aware of there, which is against Thomas Bomber Kavanagh. It's up to them to give a list of all their assets to the courts in the UK, and obviously they get extra time if they don't in prison if they don't give a full list. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's obviously some investigation in the background there that they're not just leaving it up to the trustworthy criminals to give a list of what they own. But Well, I suppose it's, they're, they're making them sell it and give them the money in that sense. Exactly, because, yeah. But they're not, they're not, they, they're, they're not going they to a court they in give Spain. give them a bill. Yeah. They actually add up how much everything is worth. Like yeah. in his case, he has very expensive villas in Mallorca that they are aware of. So they add up that, they work out what the bill is going to be and say they might hit him with 10 million you owe us 10 million. If he doesn't pay the 10 million, he gets an extra 10 years in jail. Yeah. 
And in a way, I think in the it's forest... It's a shortcut, I suppose, isn't it? Well, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe it is. You don't see them in the UK actively going after identifying assets and bringing, you know, looking to seize them. But maybe in, in a way, when you're dealing with sort of other territories and countries abroad, it's probably the easier way of doing yeah. it. Because I think the, the Assets Recovery Agency, which I, I don't think exists now in the UK, mm. like they, the they, ends, they, yeah. they, they had a, a tough uh, beginning and they, they, it was basically, they were trying to copy, you know, the Criminal Assets Bureau. And the, ironically enough, their first big case was an Irish guy, Dylan Creven, who was involved in that colossal VAT fraud, the carousel VAT fraud and whatever he's supposed to have, uh, it was 17 million worth, you know, but they, they thought it was much bigger. It was something a half a billion uh, pounds of, of, of tax money was paid out to all these these fake companies. Um, and he, he was, they, they hit him for 17 million and they took him to court. And now he actually won his case, but he did settle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember we got, a, we got a couple of legal missives off him at that time when he'd set up his new business. But um, I suppose a leopard doesn't change his spots because he's serving a long stretch now for operating a boiler room scam. So he's he, he, was, he got imprisoned there back in 2018, I think, right. again in the UK. So after all, he's, after he's, all he's, I'm not a, a criminal. Yeah. Turns out he was. And is he still in? He's still in, as far as I can see. I was yeah. making a few inquiries in the last couple of weeks to see. And this is a guy who, you know, he was, I think, in one of the computer magazines as a young hotshot at the time, back in whenever it was. Jeez, a long time ago now, 20 plus years ago. Mm. And he was sponsoring a local rugby team down in Limerick and I think flew them to Japan for a, a rugby tour known as Hollywood. He was like, you know, and, and he was a, a, a decent athlete, I think, as well. He was into his his uh, ultra marathons and stuff like that and. You know, he used to put it up on his, his social media. He was doing it for good causes and all the rest while his acolytes were on the phone, hammering the phones, trying to con vulnerable people out of their, their hard-earned cash. He just couldn't help himself, that guy. Um, what else has been up in the cab cases uh, of interest? Well, we had... Um, because, you know, the, any more of these sort of regional type... Well, Mago Gately uh, oh, right. was an interesting one in that they were fighting this case for quite some time now. It's coming up to, this is the fourth year. It's not quite four years. Himself and his his partner, uh, Charlene Lamb. And they were after the house in Kulak, which the cab have said they have spent 440000 on. Right. Now, there was a lot of rigmarole about getting legal aid um, on their behalf. And this is when we heard all about, you know, uh, their exotic holidays, the cruises to the you know the Far East and the Caribbean and all the rest of it. it was, I think eye-watering was the phrase used in was court it? at the time. Uh, well, it sounded good, all right. Yeah. But anyway, they have no money now. When uh, was the when were all those cruises and everything? Because Mago Gately has been his he's been under threat of death for a yeah, long no, time. Yeah, no, it, it was it was it was pre it was pre feud um, very much. So I, I can't remember the exact dates. Um, but I, this is all used in evidence saying that this is why we shouldn't give them legal aid. But yeah. I think the judge took the view that, well, th- th- there's evidence that they had lots of money, but there's no evidence to suggest that they have any now. And so it came down to then uh, they got the free legal aid and then there was back and forth. It was changing of solicitors and they couldn't they, they couldn't find a forensic accountant and a, and a quantity, to, quantity surveyor to carry out the work and do expert reports to show that there's no way this kind of money was spent on the house. And they were suggesting that, you know, that, that Gately's defense were suggesting that they'd, you know, they'd sourced cheaper materials, they'd done some of the work themselves. So this is going back and forth and it's dragged it all out. Mm. Um, there was even, I think there, there was uh, costs uh, coming up for, I don't know, something like £34,000 like to carry out a report. And the judge said, you know, like, this is your, your favourite judge, Jones, uh, again. 
Uh, and he was saying, what's that for? And they said, well, it's going to take him, you know, 22 hours or whatever the number was, or 18 hours to read the report. And he says, well, I did it in eight. So I'm going to give him eight hours at that rate. <laughs> so he, so he, 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 a beat, like. So, yeah. So he, he capped it at 14 grand or something. So anyway, eventually the, uh, so this week, uh, this month, uh, the, whatever it is, where are we? January. Yeah. So the January list, um, it, it was, it was, it was mentioned that they finally, uh, have a, co- a draft copy of the quantity surveyors report, but they have now 10 days to, to, to file the original, right. like the proper, the official draft. And it's going to be heard now in March. And after all that, the bulk of the work that the, the report focused on, uh, like Cab said, was 100 or 384,000. And their quantity surveyor hired by Gately's um, team yeah. uh, came up with a figure of 382. So there was a two grand difference. So, so we're, we've spent, I don't know, the best part of two years, like back and forth, you know, um, yeah. the case dragging itself through the courts, despite, you know, Judge Owen saying, you got to get a move on or I'm just going to go straight to hearing. And, uh, and it was all over two grand of the difference. So anyway, it's, it's March now when this is going to be finally heard. Right. And the state are looking for that house or they're looking for... A, a well, do you know what? They actually haven't opened the, yeah. the, the, the full case, so we don't actually know, but I presume it is the house that they're after. Um, you know, and... and is I th- there any evidence when the house was bought? No, well, we haven't that. heard that yet, but it is his, it's, it's, uh, it's been his, his, the family, ho- his home for quite some time. Mm. I, I, I know that we've, there's pictures that we've, mm. some of the world have used in the past and it goes back some time. They certainly had a business. I think he had a shop. Did he not? Any? Yeah, there, there was different. Yeah, he business. he was he was he was mentioned in 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 relation to different businesses, including I think a, a beauty uh, business as well and stuff like that. Right. Of course, he has survived a shooting um, in May of twenty seventeen. Kaylin Smith is serving a twenty year jail term in relation to that. He was shot at a garage in his car and brought to hospital, refused to make a statement, but allegedly shouted that the feud won't end till Daniel Kinahan's dead or something like this from the hospital bed. Delirious, I'm sure, on medication. Um, a month previous, he was unaware that there was a plot to kill him. Yeah. Um, and the details of that were chilling when you absolutely. had a ruckus over from Estonia and they had exactly where he parked his car in the underground car park in Newry and stuff like that. So, I mean, that sounded like it was a pretty serious attempt on his oh, life. Oh, I'd say he was, I mean, I sure look at the police saved his life in that case. Do you know what I mean? Because, I mean, it was information coming in from Lithuania and Estonia about the movements of Arrakis. That's the only reason that the cops were on him, Arrakis, from as soon as he landed because he was wanted for a murder in Lithu- Lithuania and Estonia and they were watching him you know, wherever he was traveling. And they'd noticed that he'd come to Ireland a few times. They knew then Europol that there was a feud on in in Ireland and they knew he had connections to the south coast of Spain. So when he booked a flight from Alicante to Dublin, they alerted the cops and literally, uh, incredibly, they managed to scramble. The news came, the information came very late. They managed to scramble an officer out to Dublin airport who literally hopped on the bus with Arrakis as he went into the city centre and managed to tail him all day until he was picked up and brought out to Blakestown cottages where he was arrested the next morning. So that was, uh, Mago Gately must have nine lives. Um, I feel that there was another... Uh, there were certainly lots of plots to kill him, but uh, I think there might have been another one that was uh, upended by the Gardaí. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, so that's, you know, it's expensive to live like that, though, at the same time. And whatever money you do have, I'm sure 
There was, and I suppose the the international connections, uh, I think, between the gangs was also uh, obvious in, well, in, in one of the other cab cases that we can mention from this week, there was a, a couple called Natalie and Edward Chiper, which oh, yes. you, you did a piece about as well in the past when they first came up. Um, very glamorous on social media, um, looked great and all the rest. They were arrested with a substantial amount of cannabis um, a couple of years ago. Uh, I was in, it was, what was, I think the number was 1.6 million or something mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, but, uh, the director of public prosecutions, anyway, they opted not to bring charges against them, but then lo and behold, like earlier this year, they were, they were part of, uh, they were targets of, of the criminal assets bureau. And this week, the only, the only thing we learned, it hasn't really, it hasn't come to a kind of full hearing yet. And we just, it's, it's actually a big house outside of Drogheda, as it was put, is the target of CAB. And this is what this case is about. So presumably their their home or whatever property they had bought is now is is being sought after by cab. So yeah, I just have it here now. So they were arrested in January 2019, mm. and that there were there was there was just under a million euro worth of of cannabis found in a County Louth premises. Right. Um, but the charges were, were dropped. I mean, I think they both spent a bit of time initially on, on remand before they were given bail, and then it was the whole thing was dropped. Where are they so, from? They're Moldovans. Moldovans, right, okay. So ho- hopefully, uh, as it winds on, we'll get to hear exactly yeah. what their role was in in and the ecosystem. That case is sort of just... Yeah, there, yeah well, I, I guess it's, it's, gone, it's gone past the, um, the Section 2 part, uh, where there's the initial hearing. And so... Uh, it, uh, when it goes past it, that, yeah. memory, yeah. you can't report on it until it goes past yeah, you that. Can, yeah, that it's right? in camera until, camera, uh, until yeah. basically the Section 3, which is to, to actually declare it, the, yeah. the proceeds of crime. Or you can report after the section two, and so if there's legal aid argument and all the rest, and and this week, then I think I think really what it was about this week was um, they were just saying, oh yeah, well, look, we're we're cooperating, and we're I think they were talking about they were they were in talks with Cab, which the council for Cab said, well, that's misconceived. I think was the word used. We're right. actually in talks. Okay. We're waiting for you to return a, a replying affidavit. <laughs> actually, um, so there's a there's a bit of they are defending the case, or they're engaging at least. Yeah. I suppose with Cab, they've entered a defence, which is the first step. Right. Whereas you know the likes of you see the likes of uh, John Coon you know just didn't, didn't just, bother, just ignored just it really it. yeah yeah now he's a, he's an interesting character Coon and um, um, you know it'd be interesting to know where he is now if anybody's listening but no are they still in Bandon have they moved have they you know um, certainly there was a lot of uh, bad feelings about them I think you'd say in the area where they were living and there was a lot of information forthcoming as a result of that so it would be interesting to see where they are and what they're up to Um so that's there's loads in that, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. It was great to be here. Yeah. <laughs> right, Eamon. Thanks, thanks a million. That's no, great. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from Sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free Sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.